on the near side. Doesn't matter. Here's a touchdown to Colston Loveland. J.J. McCarthy recognized it, let it rip, and a 22-yard strike to Loveland. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Michael Felder, who you can follow on X at In the Bleachers. You can also read his work on his Substack. It's Felder. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you on the program. So let's talk about the Heisman first. J.J. McCarthy opened on BetMGM at 25-1, to 1, and now he is the favorite at plus 240. Should he be the favorite to win the honor? I think that – I don't think he should, no. I think uh, it, st- it still should be Michael Penix. Um, we've talked about this before, but I think Penix should be the favorite to win the Heisman. Uh, he's Penix is doing a lot more work than McCarthy. Uh, you go through that, and, and we can look at numbers, but numbers don't tell the whole story. What I look at is air yards, and air yards to me are one of the most important things. And when you look at air yards, um, McCarthy doesn't compare to um, to Michael Penix. So that's one of those things that stands out to me. Uh, he had what, he had three passes uh, this past week of over 20 yards, and that's you know that's so everybody else is doing all the work. We can look at their long pass plays, but at the end of the day, everybody else seems to be doing a lot of work. Not just not just McCarthy putting it up in the air. And then you look at Penix and Penix is pushing the ball down the field. So that's the difference. And I will say this. Um, I don't know. You guys have the odds, not me. Uh, where's Dylan Gabriel sitting at? Because Dylan Gabriel, by the way, sneaking around, just hanging out. 12 to 1. For this Oklahoma. 12 to 1. Okay, look at him. That If you, you're looking for some value, let's go Dylan Gabriel. Because that guy has been really getting the job done quietly. Hmm. Uh, we spent so much time previewing Penn State, Ohio State. Why yeah. not take a look back? Uh, yep. I'm sure Michigan fans were getting excited, not only because AJ McCarthy is now the Heisman favorite, but they were watching that game. Like, okay, what are we in store for coming up? What did we learn over the weekend uh, in Columbus? Ooh, I think there are two big things that stood out to me. One is Ohio State, they got to stay healthy, man. This is a team that right now, they've got their running back room is banged up. Their 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 wide receiver core is not what it should have been, but I do say that I will say this: Cade Stober is added value to this team in a way that most people did not expect. He's got an opportunity to be the best tight end in college football this season. Um, and so, when I, my ta- my big takeaway is one: both of these teams have pretty good defenses. Two, we are looking at two teams that, if there were no divisions they could still be on a collision course for a Big Ten championship. They're like the Big Ten is they've got to be kicking themselves for not doing what the ACC did, which was eliminate divisions now, because now they could they, they would have an opportunity to have w- w- two of these three teams could be playing an indie together and they have they would possibly have an opportunity to get two teams into the playoff. Now it looks a little muddy, um, but man, when you watch um, uh, Train, training them, you watch Williams, you know that they can run the football, except when Penn State decided, no, we're not doing that. We're, we're going to make good gap fits. And so I think both of these teams have solid defenses. It's about figuring out what these quarterbacks are going to do. When you go 18 for 42, not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> In, <laughs> it's, like, it, that's, that's not good. And we were all, we were, listen, everybody was all in on Drew Aller and he was so good. He's doing this. I understand his weapons are kind of limited, but 
at the end of the day, uh, Penn State just doesn't – they didn't have – again, they didn't have it to get over the hump. And it's, it's, it's really rough. And Kyle McCord is – he's fine, you know, like – it's he's fine. It's like it's like when someone brings like a store bought like cake to your to your event and you're like, this is it's fine. Like it's it's okay. But they bring you the <laughs> thing of the chocolate chip cookies and like it's fine. Like these are good. Like I like them. But I know yeah. that you didn't make these. There's not a lot of love in this. This is just a guy that works at Harris Teeter Republics <laughs> and it's just like he does this every day. And like that's what Kyle McCord is to me. And that's not a knock on him, because it is, it's fine, it's good. But it's not like like heart and soul love, like let's knock this out and, and go out and get it the way that it was a couple of years ago with CJ Stroud. Yeah, you'll you only get those store bought ones for someone you don't really know that well or like, but you put a lot of love into like some family, yeah. close friend. I'm with you yeah. on that one. Grandma How do secret we recipe. Oregon? Exactly. We're not breaking that out for just anybody. <laughs> How do we rate the Ducks moving forward? They lost by three to UW. Then they had the bounce back win, crushed Wazoo. Yeah. Um, now they're at Utah. That spread is at six and a half. Six and a half point favorites at Utah. That feels dangerous. And they're going to Utah. Um, yeah. I. This is a this is a this a water this is a watershed game, right? Like this is a game where. One of these teams will be not only eliminated from the, especially with the way that Washington's playing, one of these teams can eliminate themselves from the Pac-12 championship game, and the other one's going to feel really good about where they are. And I'm, I, I like Oregon a lot. I think that they are a really good football team. I think that they play defense better than most folks realize. I think Dan Lanning's done a really good job of pushing, like, pushing defense to the, the forefront of Oregon. Oregon, a team that we've known for so long to be such an, offensive juggernaut and they still are i mean you look at what they're getting from irving and what they're able to do offensively with bo nix bo nix by the way he's gonna completely smash the record i guess for starts for a quarterback because he's been in college for so long but like this guy i mean he better come out as a he he needs a phd this guy's like he's been there forever but the thing for me is and i'll 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 use this quick anecdote um playing in salt lake city is not a joke it is a different world. It, it, it's the altitude. It's the way that they play there. It's the way that the fans are. And let's keep in mind, they went into L.A. They went to L.A. with Caleb Williams, a returning Heisman winner. And they gave them dudes the work. They gave them work. Like, they gave them action, action, more action. And they couldn't do, like, it was, and they did it with the defensive back playing quarterback. When are we going to see Cam Rising? I have no clue if we are going to see him at all. And the thing is, this team is not making excuses. And that's what I love about Utah. I, I, I'm worried that Oregon's going to drop this ball game, honestly, because you said the spread's six and a half. You're playing in Utah. You're playing at, at altitude. And let me tell you something. We played Utah in 04, the Urban Meyer year, right? The Urban Meyer undefeated year. We, when I was at UNC, we played Utah. I didn't travel to that game. They asked me to travel to that game, but I already booked the flight to Boston to go see my girlfriend. So my priorities were in order. Um, but <laughs> the reality, the reality was like when we they we went they, we went out two days early to try to get acclimated. Didn't matter. Got smoked. Go up and go. Anyone look up the 2004 UNC at Utah score. We got smoked. I was watching it in a bar in Boston, uh, knowing that. Listen, hey. <laughs> would have been real miserable to sit on the sidelines of this. So it's 
it's one of those things where it's a different atmosphere. It's a different world. And I do think that Utah's got an opportunity to kind of climb back into not just Pac-12 championship contention, but um, to kind of end this kind of dream for Oregon to get to the playoff. Nicely done. Always in having your priorities in order. I, I knew you would. That's good stuff there. <laughs> the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. At least, yep. Michael, you and I are old enough to remember when Georgia, Florida yes. was called that. Uh, now it's just Georgia, Florida, neutral game in Jacksonville, I suppose. Uh, but the Bulldogs, they have not looked like the number one team in America. They are 14 and a half point favorites against Florida. Is it possible that Georgia has been playing with fire just a little too long and maybe the Gators will take advantage of it? I don't like Florida. And that's not like a personal thing. It's more like watching them play. They don't do a lot of stuff that I think is good. They don't do a lot of things that I think lend themselves to constant success or consistent success, if you will. And Georgia does. And that's the part that I think stands out the most to me is what does this look like for Florida? What is a win? You know what? Let me, I love doing this. When I come on with you guys, I love talking about this. So we're looking at a Florida team that lost to Utah. They got beat up by Utah. They lost to Kentucky. They got beat up by Kentucky. So what does this game look like if Florida wins? Let me ask you guys. You, I want one, two, three. Give me, give me ten seconds. What does this game look like for a Florida win? All three of you, give it to me. Three explosive Man. plays. Okay. That ain't happening. Aaron. Okay. Now, <laughs> come on. Give it to me, Aaron. Come on, Hawks. So, I'm just looking at that. <laughs> Yeah, the answers aren't good, right? They're not good. There's no it. good answers. There's no, no. good answers. No. Georgia is going to try to suffocate them and just really make it hard for them. And you mentioned the three explosive plays. Georgia is one of the best teams in the country at not giving up those explosive plays. And then when they do, they don't let you get into the end zone on them. What they do is they, mm -hmm. they – listen, if they give up a – and it's the same thing with Ohio State, right? It's different types of defenses but different – but similar concepts where – yeah, you might pick up 35 yards on this play, but you know what we do? We have guys that are faster than your guys, so you're not going to outrun us to the end zone. And what that means is you're going to have to play again, and we're going to stop you. Best case scenario, you kick a field goal, and guess what? Field goal kickers in college, you not you can't rely on those bad boys. So this is going to be a really interesting situation. Is Caleb Williams still the no-questions-asked number one pick in April's draft? No, and I um, – I was talking to a couple of folks about this, and I think Drake May, even with the loss, Drake May looked better in that loss than Caleb looked in his his loss. And I, the big thing for me when I'm watching these games, and and and, and I'm looking for advancement, right? I'm looking for development. Um, and I just I, I don't see him getting better. I see him doing a lot of the same things. And now that teams have a beat on it, they're making him make mistakes. And now that he's making mistakes, there's frustration, and you can see it on the sidelines, and that's the whole deal. So when I look at him, I think May has an opportunity to push, but I also think Penix, a guy who I said should be the front runner for the Heisman, Penix has an opportunity to push as well. And so with Caleb Williams, we also have to go to the NFL, right? And so you got to look at what Lincoln Riley's done. And he's had Kyler Murray. I'm not giving him Jalen Hurts. I am gonna I'm gonna leave Jalen Hurts at Alabama. I am. I'm gonna leave him at Alabama simply because there's no other Oklahoma quarterbacks that are squatting 700 pounds. That's Bama built. So I'm gonna go with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but Baker Mayfield also as a top pick, and both of those guys, one's been around the league. He's already been around the block in Baker. And then the other one, his own team does not want him to play in Kyler Murray. 
So I think kind of the shines come off the apple with Lincoln Riley and you watch him, how frustrated he's been getting over the course of these games and not being able to get stuff done. I just don't, when I watch Caleb Williams play, a lot of it is out of phase. A lot of it is out of the structure of an offense and to be in the NFL, you've got to play within the offensive structure. Drake may plays within the structure of that offense. Do I love that offense? Not exactly, but he still plays within the structure of an offense. It's not all improv. And so I think that's the difference here. And yeah, there's going to be somebody, you know, whether it's like the Colts with Anthony Richardson that are going to take a gamble on someone that's willing to play that, that makes their best plays without, with it outside of the structure of the offense. But I think Drake May is now becoming more of a Drake May and Michael Pence are becoming more. Um, they're bubbling up from everyone I talk to from an NFL standpoint because they play within the structure and they find ways to make plays. They know when guys are supposed to be open. They understand where the plays are made instead of everything else. They they can use the auxiliary, but at the end of the day, what we're seeing are, is teams want guys that can still play within the structure. All right, we have a couple minutes left. I wanted to ask you about Oklahoma and Kansas, but let me open it up to you. Is there a matchup that you love on the board this week that we haven't touched on? I mean, I can live with Oklahoma and Kansas if we're being honest. Like okay. I love, like we already talked Florida Georgia. BYU Texas is interesting to me. I think the game is more interesting if Texas had to go to BYU because um, BYU, again, is at that altitude and BYU is a different team at home. BYU on the road, though, I like that game. I think that um, – I think BYU can become a problem for Texas. And listen, this is a Texas team. To me, to my eyes, these eyes, and I'm 2020, folks. I don't even need correcting. <laughs> my man got across. My man, he, he hit the line to gain for Houston. So I don't know what these other guys are looking at, but I saw it. Synced it with my own eyes. But I'll go I'll Oklahoma and Kansas. They got to go to Kansas, and that's going to be interesting. Kansas is a team, obviously. We got to find out is Daniels playing. Are we going to see Bean again? Bean, I think, is a very capable backup. He might be one of the best backups in college football. Uh, when you look at Oklahoma, though, again, I mentioned Dylan Gabriel should be a little bit higher in the Heisman race. This Oklahoma team, their mm -hmm. defense shows up. And, and we saw last week the coolest thing about them was, hey, they got gashed a few times, and all of a sudden they were like, hey, okay, we get it. We know what you're doing, Gus Malzahn. We see it. You're going backwards to go forward. You're moving left to get right. And – they kind of retooled their defense at halftime and they were able to get some stops. And I think that was a really cool thing to watch because for me, like I, I know Gus Malzahn from back when he was a high school coach, right? When I was doing recruiting and watching his high school players. And then you watch him at Arkansas and then you watch him go here and then you see him again. You see him get the, the, the coordinator job at Auburn. Then he's the head coach at Auburn and you watch him do all this stuff. And it's all wing team. Gus Malzahn's best teams. You look at John, John Rice Plumley. What's the difference between him and Nick Marshall? Not much. Not much. A little bit more accuracy at the quarterback spot, but it's all spread out wing T stuff where if they go left, then they're coming back right. And all they want to do is move you off the point and Oklahoma retold to figure that out. So I think this Oklahoma team's got an opportunity to make some big plays. I think this weekend for them is going to be about shutting down the big play. They're playing a different type of offense, an offense that suits them better defensively. I do think that they come out. What's the number on this game? Ten. Oh, they cover the number. I know we got to go, but I, they cover the number. <laughs> College it. football expert and 2020 vision enthusiast, Michael <laughs> Felder. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is Mike UL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, NFL awards markets, value on the board, offensive player of the year, all sorts of fun stuff right here on the BetQL Network.